Welcome to Thousand Hills Ranch Church. We hope that you enjoy this message, that it'll soften your heart and lead you to ride with Christ. You know you came from it. And someday you'll return to this Anybody recognize that song? Nobody's, some people have heard it. Uh, it's a great song, Florida Georgia Line. If you've never heard of a group, Florida, I can't even say it, Florida Georgia Line. Um, they sing that song, and the song is actually called Dirt. And last week we started a series called Dirt. How fertile is your soul? Um, and um, I don't know if you know anything about dirt, but dirt is pretty important, right? Uh, I, I thought about it as I was obviously researching and doing this uh, the research for this sermon and for this series, and dirt's really important. I mean, dirt pretty much contains everything that we do, right? I mean, we're standing on dirt. We're, this, this barn is built on dirt. I mean, we, everything we plant, everything we eat is planted in dirt, right? Um, uh, you know, the oil, the gas, the water, everything is in the dirt, um, and so dirt is really important. And the cool thing about that song that you just heard is it, it actually points out a truth that probably the most important thing that came from dirt was what? Man. <laughs> Remember? I mean, in Genesis where God formed a man out of the dust of the ground. And the song says, you know, you came from dirt. And guess what? You're going to go back to dirt some days. And so what we need to know is how to, how to be the right kind of soil for God. Um, and, and as we look at this, I, I compared, you know, bad soil to good soil. You know, if you have bad soil, and a lot of you guys deal with farming and ranching and stuff, so you know, like, where the crops are going to grow, probably the best. But bad soil, obviously, it's hard to dig in. Um, it, it, you know, tears up your machinery. Um, it's not good for, do, you know, for producing crops. Um, but good soil, fertile soil is great. I mean, you can build a foundation on good soil and it won't go, you know, away. It's going to be there because it's fertile, because it, you know, because it's strong. Um, you can also plant crops or you can plant seeds in it and, and things are going to grow. And so here's the point. In the same way that a fertile, you know, that fertile soil produces great crops, here's what I want you to learn. Here's what we started last week. A fertile soul a fertile heart can produce great spiritual crops as well. And so just like that seed gets planted in that good ground and it comes, you know, and it grows, we are supposed to allow God to plant seeds in us, seeds of growth, seeds, you know, of spiritual, you know, growth in our lives so that we can produce an amazing crop for him. 
In part one, we looked at Matthew chapter 13. It was the story of the parables, or I mean a story, it was a parable of the soils, uh, not a story of the parables because that'd be the same thing, right? A parable is a story, and so it was the story of, uh, of the soils, and Jesus told about four types of soil, and then he talked about how, you know, some seeds were planted in all four types, and then he talked about the result or the product of the different types of soil. Remember this? I'll give you, the, I'll give you a re- recap. The seed that was cast on the footpath, right? Remember this? was hard. And the seed didn't go into the ground because it was a hard ground. And so the the crows or the birds came on along and and actually ate the seed off the ground. Then you had shallow ground. And in the shallow ground, you know, the seed was planted, but the roots, you know, couldn't take because there was hard rock under the shallow ground and they couldn't take. So they just died away. They withered away. Um, then you had the, sorn, the thorny soil, um, and in the thorny soil, they, they, they put the seed down. The seed grew up, but the thorns and the weeds choked the seed out, and the, and the plant died. Um, but then he talked about the fertile soil. And what happened in the fertile soil? Well, it was good soil. And the seeds that were cast on that soil, they produced up to 30 to 60 to 100 times more because they were planted in fertile soil. And you say, well, what's that point? What's, the, what's Jesus trying to get out in this story? Well, in this parable, guess who the farmer is? God. God is the farmer. And guess what we are? We are the soil, right? He's planting seeds in us. And you say, what kind of seeds? Well, they're seeds of salvation, right? When we give our hearts to the Lord, he plants a seed in our lives and in our heart. And we accept that seed and it grows in us and we become a believer. He also plants spiritual fruit, Like, I mean, you know, like love, joy, peace, patience, the fruits of the spirit that he plants in us so that we can produce a crop that glorifies him. And so here's the thing. If, you know, we want a fertile soul, right? The question that we tried to answer last week that we did answer last week was how do we cultivate it? How do we cultivate a fertile soul to receive the seeds that God wants to plant in us? Well, here was number one, and this is from last week. A fertile soul prepares for seed, right? I mean, I told you about how my yard, I got this spot where the kids, you know, they, they're on a swing. And so underneath the swing, guess what? There's no dirt, right? And so I, you know, I'm, I have OCD, so I want some grass right underneath that swing, right? And so I prepared the lawn, right? I got the rake out. I, you know, raked up the ground. I broke it up. I got it to where it was kind of deep a little bit, and I got all the debris out of the way. And then I planted the seed, and then I covered it up, and I raked it again, and I prepared the soil. And guess what I'm getting? Grass. Why? Because I prepared it. If I'd have just cast the seed out, right, the doves, the, you know, the robins, all of them would have come and gathered it all up. And, you know, they had had a, you know, a, a full stomach on the seed that I planted. But because I prepared for it, it actually is producing the growth. And so you say, well, how do we prepare? Well, here's the first thing. We have to open our hearts and accept the seed of salvation. Remember this? If you're going to do anything for Christ, then you have to have Christ in your life, right? If you don't have Christ in your life, then you're just a part of a religion and you're just doing things to please yourself and to please other people and you don't have the real, you know, seed of salvation in your life, right? And so you have to open your heart. You have to allow him to come into your life, save you from your sin so that you can receive eternal life. That's how you prepare your soul to be able to be used by God. And you say, well, we, how else do we prepare? Well, we cultivate 
a daily relationship with Jesus. Not only do we accept him and then we have our, you know, we, we, we go to heaven, but we cultivate a, a, a growing relationship with Jesus. And you say, well, how do you do that? Well, we talked about it last week. We read the Bible daily. You say, how do I, I mean, what's the Bible? Well, the Bible is a book of seeds. I don't know if you know that or not, but God wants to plant truths in your life. And he has the, the Bible, he has written the Bible so that we can have the seeds that he wants to plant in our lives so that we can grow in him. And so we read the Bible daily. What else? We pray, right? Prayer softens our heart, softens our mind, softens our, you know, our, our angst or whatever we got going on in our lives so that he can open up our heart and plant new seeds in our lives. And so we read the Bible, we pray, and then we develop Christ-centered friendships. I don't know how many times people have planted seeds in my life because I've allowed them, you know, to say, hey, Bo, you need to stop doing this, and you need to start doing that. You need to start, you know, stop, you know, saying that, start saying this. You need to start treating your wife this way. You know, again, planting seeds in my life because I have built Christ-centered friendships. And so the first thing that we have to do is we have to prepare our soul for seed. Here's the second thing that I want to focus in on today. Anybody ready? Anybody ready for number two? (laughs) Number two is this. A fertile soul grows and sows. A fertile soul grows and sows. Try to say that real fast and it'll just mess you up. A fertile soul grows and sows. You know, I mean, again, you just, it's good. Good job. You did good. (laughs) But that a fertile soul grows and sows. And so here's the thing. When you prepare your soul for God to sow spiritual seeds in your life, guess what? Things are going to grow, right? That's a good thing. I mean, people, you know, people don't, they don't, they don't sow or they don't prepare for God to plant seeds in their life. And then they go, why am I not growing? Well, have you read your Bible lately? Have you prayed lately? Have you gone to church lately? Have you developed a Christ-centered friendship that's going to challenge you when you need to be challenged? Again, if you do those things, guess what it'll produce? Growth. And growth is a great thing. And so as you read the Bible, as you pray, develop those friendships, you will grow. But here's the thing. Not only should a fertile soul be busy growing, but a fertile soul should be busy sowing. Are you with me? You say, what's a sower? Well, that's someone who plants seeds, right? Um, And once we accept the seed of salvation and we cultivate a relationship with Jesus, not only are we the soil, get this, not only are we the soil, but we also become the sower. Are you with me? I mean, again, we're the soil. God's planting seeds in us. People are planting seeds in us. We're actually growing. But out of that, we should grow and we should sow seeds as well, right? Have you ever cut off a weed and that weed stayed in the yard? And guess what it planted in your yard after that? 700 more weeds, right? Well, some of you guys are weeds. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> We're all weeds. <laughs> some of you are beautiful flowers. And when you die, again, your seed goes into the ground and you produce more seeds, right? That's what we're supposed to do. And so not only are we supposed to be growing, we're supposed to be sowing. And so, I, you know, example is this. I mean, some of you guys farm a lot, but, but you know, you know if you farm at all that it doesn't matter how much seed you have stored in the barn or the, you know, the grain bin, or whatever it is, it's about how much seed you have planted in the ground that produces a crop. Are you with me? So again, you may be a great Christian, you come to church all the time, you read your Bible all the time, you pray all the time, and you're actually growing, but at the end of the day, at some point, you need to start sowing. 
so that you can lead other people and plant seeds of salvation in their life and grow and help them grow in their relationship as well. And so when it comes to sowing, if all we do is store up seed in our hearts and we get the knowledge of God, we get the knowledge of his word, we get the knowledge of this, knowledge of that, but we never put it into practice, guess what? We have no chance of producing a spiritual crop. No chance. And that's a part of what God has called us to do. And so there was, uh, as I read the Bible, and I, I don't, again, I don't know if you read the Bible or not, we've actually got free Bibles. So if you don't have a Bible today, we've got uh, boxes full of them. You can grab them as you leave today, and you can take them. You can hand them out yourself to other people, um, but you feel free. They're, they're all free, so take a Bible. But, but here's the thing. As I read the Bible, there is one major characteristic of every disciple, every follower of Jesus. Guess what they did? they all told others about Jesus. Think about it. Some of you guys are new to Christianity. You've just been saved. You've just given your life to Jesus. And, 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 you know, again, it's fresh in you, and that's exciting, and it's awesome. And you, again, maybe you're on fire, and you're hungry, and you're ready to grow, and you're ready to, you know, do things. A part of your growth, guess what, is to tell others about Jesus. It's one of the greatest ways to grow. And you say, why? Because when you start opening your mouth and you start sharing the love of Jesus with people, you're going to face some things that you're going to have to have some answers for, and you're going to have to actually search the Lord out and go, hey, I've got to have an answer for that. If, if I'm going to open my mouth, they're going to ask me questions. I've got to have answers for that. So guess what that does? You can either you know, be a panty waste and not grow, or you can say, man, you know what? I'm going to go, and I'm going to actually read my Bible. I'm actually going to find an answer for my buddy who's wanting to know about Jesus. Guess what that does? You begin to grow. So again, you can grow all you want, and that's great, but if you're not sowing seeds into other people and telling them about Jesus, again, you're missing out. I mean, I don't want to go to heaven just by myself. I want to go to heaven with a bunch of people, right? Amen? And so the, the thing that I noticed, again, about the disciples and the followers of Jesus throughout the Bible is that they told others about Jesus, why did they do it? Because they, Jesus changed their life. Again, I, I've been in church all my life. My mom, I was, I was in church nine months before I was born, right? I mean, because I was in her womb. She got saved when I was in her womb. She gave her life to Jesus when I was in the womb. So she began to go to church when I was in the womb. I've been in church all my life. And one of the greatest, um, I guess, uh, I don't know if you call it a detriment or the greatest, you know, um, I guess, the most negative thing that we can have happen in our life is we get so familiar with what God has done in our life that it, we don't stand in awe of what he has done for us. Are you with me? We kind of become numb. It's like, oh, yeah, let's sing these songs. Oh, yeah, he died for me. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, again, and we just kind of go through the motions and we get numb to what Jesus has done. But my, my challenge to you and my challenge to myself is we've got to stop being numb to it. He's done great things. He's saved us from our sin right? <laughs> when you die now, you have a hope of going to be in heaven for eternity. I, don't know, I mean, I don't know if that excites you like it should, but it should, and it should me as well. And so again, why did they want to tell about Jesus? Because he changed their life. 
I mean, many of you, he changed your circumstances, and through changing your circumstances, maybe it was an outlook on life, an attitude, maybe it was a situation, maybe he healed your body from an illness or whatever it is. He changed your circumstances, and therefore he ultimately showed his power in your life, and you said, I want to know him. Maybe you saw it in someone else and you said, man, I want to know that God. If that guy can get through that, you know, that hell that he was going through, then I want to know his God, right? And so because of that, we are ultimately, we, we are forgiven and we, he forgave us of our sins and we received eternal life because someone sowed a seed in us. And the people in the Bible and we as, you know, believers in, the, in, in Jesus, guess what? We should be doing the same thing. And so well, there's one story that I want to share with you today from the Bible. And it's about a woman whose life was changed, right? And because her life was changed and she knew Jesus, guess what? She lived her life out and she showed other people Jesus. And I'm going to recap it and then I'll, I'll, I'll end it with the part that I want to read from the word. Um, but in John chapter 4, Jesus, he actually meets a woman at a well. I mean, many of you guys have heard this story, but, but it, it was a Samaritan woman. And if you don't know anything about the Bible, a Samaritan woman was a woman uh, from a mixed race. If you were to, you know, a Samaritan, you were from a mixed race, right? And the Jews did not like the Samaritans. Get this. The Jews weren't supposed to be talking to Samaritans. But here's what happened. Jesus shows up at a well, right? He's, he's there. This woman, a Samaritan woman, shows up at the well. And Jesus, guess what he does? He talks to her. First barrier that he tore down, right? I love it. Because Jesus loved tearing down religious barriers. He, he talked to her. And guess what he said? He said, hey, would you give me something to drink? And she's like, uh, you're not even supposed to be talking to me right? I mean, you're not even supposed to be, you know, saying anything to me. You're a Jew and I'm a Samaritan. And Jesus replies, if you knew who I was, then guess what? You would ask me for a drink, right? You would ask me for a drink and I would give you what I would call living water and you would never thirst again. And here was her reply, sir, you don't even have a bucket to draw the water out of. It's kind of funny. It's really, uh, it's, you know, the Bible's humorous. So that she says, you don't have a bucket to gather up this living water. I mean, where can you get it, right? And guess what Jesus said? Jesus said, I'm the living water, right? He says, the water that you drink, guess what? You're going to get thirsty and thirsty and thirsty again all the rest of your days of your life. But if you drink of the living water, which is me, I'm the Messiah, I'm the Savior of the world, guess what? Drink my living water and you will never thirst again right? Right? Because you have eternal life in you. And so the, to, you know, the Samaritan woman, she finally kind of gets it and she says, please give me that water. And she believes in Jesus. And right there at a well, Jesus changed her life. And Jesus goes on to tell the woman everything that she ever did, even to how many husbands that she had. Remember that? Uh, she, you know, he asked her, how many husbands have you had? And she's like, I don't, you know, whatever. And he says, you know, she says, I had five. And he goes, yeah, I know you've had five. And the one that you're, you know, living with now isn't your husband, right? And he tells her all of this stuff. Then Jesus's disciples show up at the well and they show up with food, right? And they're like, hey, Jesus, you need to eat. And, and at that time, the woman goes back to her town and tells everyone what Jesus did for her. You with me? Now listen to the rest of the story right here in John chapter 4. Many of the Samaritans from the town, they did what? They believed in him because of the woman's what? 
testimony. He told me everything I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed two days. And because of his words, many more became believers. They said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard it for ourselves, and we know that this man really is the Savior of the world. (laughs) Do you see what this woman did? I mean, Jesus changed her life, and she couldn't help but go back and tell everybody that she knew. Again, some of you need to take this challenge. I mean, it's going to be a challenge above all challenges, because maybe you've lived a lifestyle, again, of, you know, promiscuity and sinful and, you know, not for God, and all your friends and all your family, they may not know Jesus. And so for you to open your mouth at a, at a, at a family dinner and go, hey, let's pray, <laughs> it might be a little awkward, right? But here's the thing, God will bless you. God will bless you. I mean, there are opportunities, you know, even, you know, we have kids come over to our house all the time now. We live in town, so all the neighbor kids are coming to my house. I'm like, come on, <laughs> give me a break. <laughs> Just kidding. But no, it's great, it is. It, but, but it's so funny to watch because it's like, you know, I watch my kids and I think, you know, are they, are they, are they learning enough about Jesus and have I taught them enough about Jesus for them to stand up for Jesus even in front of their friends? And so I'll give them a minute before we eat. I'll, you know, just kind of see if they start eating and if they, uh, you know, or if they stop and they pray and, you know, pray for the food. And I'm proud to say that my kids do. They're not perfect, but it's so fun to watch people recognize that we love Jesus in our home. I mean, amen. Isn't that cool? I mean, even before we go to bed, we've had kids, you know, come over, stay the night, whatever. I mean, we go in and I pray with my boys. And if there's another kid there, we pray for him. (laughs) Again, some of you guys have never done that and it's okay. Listen, if you've never done that, it's not too late. It's not too late to start sowing seeds in other people's lives. And you may get ridiculed, you may get made fun of, and they may go, what are you, a religious freak, you know? I mean, but it, it doesn't matter. You just love them and you live for Jesus and someday they're gonna want the Jesus that you have in your life. Amen? And so again, so, you know, so she had her life changed and she went and told people. So here's my question to you, you ready? Has Jesus changed your life? Because if he has, you should be telling people about him. Um, The fact is, all of us came to Christ because someone was bold enough to tell us. Think about that. Someone was bold enough to say, hey, would you come to church? Even though you didn't go to church. Someone was bold enough to say, hey, have you ever, you know, talked to, you know, or have you ever read your Bible? Have you ever, you know, talked about Jesus or have you ever been taught about Jesus? They were bold enough to say that. And they opened their mouth and they sowed a seed in you so that you could come to know Christ. And so, again, all of us have come to Christ and we all grow closer to Christ because someone cared enough to plant a seed of love, a seed of acceptance, a seed of, you know, of inviting us to know Christ. And so guess what? We should return the favor. Why wouldn't we? I mean, for what Christ has done in our lives, because of what he saved us from, for the hope, again, that we have in life, not just in death, in life we have hope. I mean, I, I did two funerals in, in one week, a week ago, right? One guy got murdered, kid, right? And the other was a 17-week-old baby. 
that never made it out of the womb. Listen, I want those people to know that Jesus died for them. And so I, I, again, I don't, you know, I don't go in and say, hey, let's have an invitation. Let's come to Christ and all that stuff. I, my desire is to plant a seed in their life. And, and I remember I, I looked out, and again, this is maybe too much information, but I looked out and this kid, you know, that was murdered, um, has a lot, of, uh, a lot of friends that I looked in their eyes and they just didn't have any hope. I just looked in their eyes. And I know some of the kids because they've come to our church before. And this kid that was murdered had come to our church before. Um, and I just looked at them in their eyes, and I just thought, man, there's no hope here. Um, and so, again, in those situations, you kind of go, is this worth it? Should I even open up my mouth and share Jesus? And then I'm thinking, he's their only hope. <laughs> he's their only hope. I mean, if they're going to get out of the situations that they're in, he's their only hope. And so why would I not give them the hope of the world? I mean, again, they're searching for all kinds of answers every other place. Drugs, alcohol, sex, all these things. They're searching for all the answers, and I have the answer. It's Jesus. And so why would I not sow a seed into their life of love that Christ wants to forgive them and come into their life so that they can see their friend again? Why would I not want to do that? Why would you not want to do that? Again, so you got to get over that fear. And we're going to talk about this a little more next week. But, but you may be thinking, well, I don't even know where to start with sowing seeds. I don't even know where to start, you know, with sowing seeds of faith in others. Here's where I would say to start. You ready? Sowing seeds of faith starts in your own family. You say, well, that was a kind of a turn, but it's true. The first responsibility that I have is to my own family, sowing seeds of faith, seeds of the word of God, seeds of salvation, seeds of encouragement, all those things. It starts with my family. If I neglect, you know, teaching my own family and all I do is teach you, guess what? I am a failure because I've neglected my own family. Are you with me? You say, well, where do I start? You sow seeds in your marriage. Some of you guys are married. Some of you guys are not married. You need to hear this if you're not married so that you can begin to sow seeds in your marriage before you ever start and you get a leg up. Some of you guys are already married and you're like, I don't even know if I'm sowing seeds of faith in my own marriage. Well, you know, what does that look like? Well, out of your growing relationship, right? Out of you reading the Bible, out of you praying, out of you developing Christ-centered friendships, you begin to plant seeds of faith in your spouse and in yourself, right? In your marriage. Um, and you say, well, you know, why do I do that? And here's, by the way, you have a choice on what kind of seeds you can plant, right? It's your choice on what you sow in your marriage, it's a, and it's a choice on how much you sow in your marriage. You can choose, you know, to sow sparingly, or you can, you know, choose to sow, to sow lavishly, right? You can sow weed seed, in your marriage? Some of you guys are like, yeah, I know what that is. But, you know, you can say things or do things that, you know, again, are just going to taint your marriage, or you can sow seeds of love. And you say, well, how do we plant these seeds? I'll give you a few examples. You ready? Your words. You say, how do I plant a seed of faith in my, my spouse? Well, you encourage them with your words. You encourage them with the word of God. Look at Proverbs 18, 21. It says, the tongue has the power of what? Life and death. And those who love it will eat of its fruit. 
You say, how do I sow a seed of faith into my spouse? You encourage them. You give them life. You, you, you pour out words that are full of life, not death. How many of you guys have ever poured out words of death to your spouse? Come on, be honest. Everybody better raise their hand. Come on. I mean, we've all done it, right? We've all said things that we shouldn't say. We've all been negative. We've all nagged. We've all said those things. But again, here's the deal. We have a choice. We can sow encouraging words. We can sow the truth, but do it in love. We can, show, we can sow comfort. We can sow support. But words, listen, are powerful seeds that can reap a great harvest in your marriage. And you need to begin to sow them now. Here's what I know. Listen, yeah, that's a good one. Now, here we go. Let's clap for it. Woo-hoo! Here's the deal. When I sow seeds of uh, faith and seeds of encouragement in my wife, guess what? She starts growing. Guess what our marriage does? We start growing. Does the devil try to plant weeds in our marriage? Absolutely. Does he do it more if we're trying to pursue God? Absolutely. But at the end of the day, here's what I've learned. When I'm weak and I need some seeds of encouragement or some seeds of support, my greatest gift is my wife. Other than Jesus, right? Yeah. Other than Jesus, because my wife can't fulfill me fully, right? Only God can do that. But, but other than God, my wife is my support, my strength. And you need to be that same thing to your spouse. And so you do that through planting words of, you know, seeds, because they're powerful and they can change things. You say, what else? Well, actions. How do I plant seeds in my marriage? Actions. Proverbs eleven twenty five. look at it. The generous will prosper. Those who what? refresh others will themselves be refreshed here's what i've learned there is nothing more refreshing than when my wife does something to take the burden off of me anybody with me and my wife's the same way when i take her car (laughs) and i clean the funk from our three kids out of her car and i wash it and i vacuum it guess what burden laid off of her And she gives me high fives all the time because, again, when I do that, that speaks love to her. It's an action. It refreshes her, just like the Word of God says. I mean, when we give generously, guess what? We're going to refresh other people. And you say, well, what do we do spiritually? When I pray for her, guess what it does? It refreshes her. It's an action. When I, you know, read the Word of God and then I begin to share Scripture with her when she's discouraged, when she doesn't have an answer, when she doesn't know what to do, and I share Scripture with her and I act out my faith and I plant a seed in her life, guess what? She gets to grow. I get to grow. When she does it for me, I get to grow. When we, you know, when we have a personal quiet time together, a personal devotion time together, guess what? We grow. It's an act of reading the word of God together. And we're refreshed when we do it. Maybe you talk about Sunday's message. You know, maybe you, you leave on Sunday, every Sunday, and you talk about it. You say, okay, what'd you learn? Okay, what, you know, what, when did Bo step on your toes? <laughs> what did he say that was true in you? <laughs> you know, here's what he said that was true in me. You know, again, so you talk about the message, maybe with your, your kids or whatever. You talk about it with your spouse, and you grow in it. Seeds of serving one another in marriage are always seeds worth sowing. Every time. Again, some of you guys are divorced and you're like, man, I, don't, I, don't, I didn't never do any of that when, my, when I was married. Listen, if you desire to get married again, I'm telling you, you need to begin to learn how to sow some seeds of faith. 
You'd have a growing relationship with Jesus so that you can plant seeds of faith in your marriage. And so where do we, where do we start when we plant you know, the faith? It starts with our family. It starts in our marriage. Here's the last thing, and I'm done. You ready? We sow into our children. I mean, some of you guys have children. Some of you guys don't have children. Some of you guys have grandchildren. Some of you guys are raising your grandchildren. You thought you were done, right? And now you spend more hours you know, raising your grandkids. But, but here's the thing. At Thousand Hills, obviously, we have some great young families, and they have children. And we have great par- grandparents that, uh, you know, spend a lot of time with their grandkids. Here's what I want you to realize. Listen to this, because this, is, again, is the most important thing that you can do. As Christian parents, sowing seeds of faith in our kids' lives is the most important role that we play. You can, you can teach your kid how to shoot a jump shot. You can teach your kid how to balance their checkbook. But those things are temporary. The thing that you should want the most about your child is that they know Jesus and that they serve him because everything they do for him is going to last for eternity. And guess what? It's your job. It's not a job. It's a privilege. It's your, it should be your desire to, to pour into your kids so that they can come to know Jesus. Again, the, the reason that marriages aren't working is because they, they don't include God. A lot of kids, I, I do a lot of premarital counseling. Guess what? They don't know Jesus. 99% of the people that I marry don't know Jesus. You know who I blame a lot of it on? Their parents. I want, I want my kids to know Jesus more than they know me. I want them to know Jesus more than they know their mom. I want them to know Jesus because he's the one who's going to sustain their marriage. He's the one who's going to give them, you know, that hope that they need. And so God, in my life, God used my parents to plant seeds of salvation in me. You say, well, how do you do it? They personally read the Bible to me. Some of you guys have little kids. And again, it's never too late to start. Um, but some of you guys have little kids. You need to start reading a verse every night to your kid or maybe just praying with them and it, maybe just asking them what they think about the scripture. And again, guess what? It's not easy. <laughs> I mean, is it easy? It's not easy at all. I mean, I'll, st- I'll talk spiritually to my kids and I'll be like, hey, you guys, you know, Jesus really wants to work in your life. And they're like, hey, dad, a butterfly. <laughs> and I'm like, great. I just got through to them. I'm glad we're talking about this, kids. You know what I'm saying? I mean, so again, you think it's not taking, but it takes, doesn't it? Some of you guys that raise godly Christian kids, it takes. I'm telling you, it takes. When they begin to open their mouths, when they begin to make decisions, guess what? The truth and the power of God's word that's in their life, it changes them. And they begin to think before they actually act. And so the most important role that you can play is, again, sowing seeds of faith in your kids' lives. My parents, they read the Word of God to us. I mean, back in the day, we would sit on the bed, and they would read the Word of God to us, and then we would pray together, and then we would go to our beds, right? Now we go to our kids' beds, right? And you may want to start this a little early. Here's what I've learned. Kids don't want to go to sleep. So the best time to talk about Jesus is before they go to sleep. Because they'll try to keep you up asking you questions because they want to stay up later. It's the best time. Um, and so my parents did that. They, they, they took advantage of teachable moments. When my kids do something stupid, <laughs> it's a teachable moment. Or they do something amazing, and it's a teachable moment. And I can, guess what? I can plant the word of God in them. 
and how God's going to bless them for that. My parents, they put me in places where other people could plant seeds in me. They brought me to church. It was not a choice. Again, so many parents are like, well, I just don't want to shove Jesus down my kids' throats. Come on now. You shove algebra down their throat. Right? I mean, you're like, you're not, you don't have an option going to school, right? So why do they have an option to go to church? I, I've never really, I've never, I've never gotten that. I mean, a kid, if you give a kid a choice on a lot of things, they're going to choose the easy route and not do it. Do you want them to have their own faith? Absolutely. But I am their parent, and I don't let them go put their hand in a fire because I, you know, they're going to get burnt, right? So I have to protect them. I have to teach them. I have to sow seeds in them. And so, again, put your kids in places like church and ranch kids and, you know, places where they can grow and they can come to know Jesus. Here's a challenge to you as parents. What are you preparing your, or what are you doing to prepare your kid's soul for salvation? What are you doing to prepare them to come to know Christ? I mean, are you reading the Bible to them? Are you praying with them? Look at Deuteronomy 11, 18 and 19. So commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these words of mine. Tie them on your hands and wear them on your foreheads as reminders. Teach them to your your children. Proverbs 22, verse 6, it says, direct your children onto the, the right path, and when they are older, they will not leave it. It's your job and your privilege to, to sow seeds and direct your kids onto the right path. And you say, well, how do I, what's the easiest way to do that? I'm telling you, man, the, the phone is the best way to do it. For us. I mean, my kids, they love technology. I don't know if your kids like technology. My kids, my boys, they have iPods. They don't have iPhones, iPods, right? I don't even know if they make iPods anymore, but we got some. And so they have iPods. And guess what? There is a, there's an app on your phone um, that you can take, so, you know, and this is practical, but I want you to hear this because it'll change maybe your kid's life. You can take Safari, which is a search engine off your phone, and you can replace it with an app called Mobisid. My, my wife can spell it for you. I can't spell it. Mobisid, you can actually replace Safari with Mobisid, and they can't get on any subjectable sites. I mean, Heather, we typed in all kinds of stuff, and we checked it out. You cannot get on questionable sites, but they can get on good sites. Anytime they go on YouTube, it's filtered. They don't get to see all the crud. They get to see the good stuff, right? And, and so one of the things we do is we did that first, and then we got them the Bible app for kids, you version Bible app for kids. Do we have a picture? So if you'll look on your app store, you'll see this uh, hairy dude with uh, some chest hair. No, that's not chest hair. That's a string on his, on his shirt. But anyways, this is the Bible app for kids. I know it looks, it looks weird, but <laughs> anyways, it looks better on the app. So anyway, you can go to, it's called version. is that what it's called? Bi- kids Bible app. I don't, I don't have one on my phone. Um, my kids do. But you can go to it, you can download it, and guess what? There are hundreds uh, you know, of devotionals, there are hundreds of plans that they can follow, they can look up what they want, if they want a sports devotional, they can look it up and they can read it themselves. The best time that we've found for our kids to read the Word of God is in the summer. And you think that's weird, but they, get up, they can get up whenever they want, and we have a routine where they go, hey, I'm going to brush my teeth, I'm going to make my bed, and I'm going to read the Bible. 
They do it for like four minutes, and then we just say, hey, just come share with us what you learned. They come and share with us what they learned, and then they get to go out and play. Guess what? We planted seed in their life. And now that when they get angry, they're like, oh, yeah, I learned in Ranch Kids, or I learned in the Word of God. I'm not supposed to get angry. Or, you know, it's okay to get angry, but not sin, you know? And some of you guys, your kids are up there right now. Guess what? They're learning off of this Bible app. They're learning a lesson. And so after you get out of church, guess what? You can go download that Bible app. You can look up. They'll have a piece of paper. You can look up the lesson in the Bible app, the the kids' Bible app, and it will show you everything that they learned. And you can recap the lesson that they learned this morning in church. Telling you, it's the greatest thing that you can do for your kids. Um, And so, you know, planting seeds starts with your family. Sowing starts with your family. Sowing seeds in your marriage, sowing seeds in your kids. And again, if you say, Bo, I'm not, I'm not married. What do I do? You begin and, and cultivate a personal relationship with Jesus, and you start investing in other people. And we're going to talk about that next week, okay? What else can we do to sow seeds in, in other people? And so I'm going to ask you to bow your head, close your eyes for just a second. I want us to pray together. Lord, we just, uh, we come to you and we thank you, Lord, that, um, that you saw fit to sow seeds of salvation into our lives. And that for many of us, if not all of us, I, I, I hope it's all of us, but, but, but Lord, I, I thank you that you sowed seeds of salvation into our lives so that we can come to know you personally. And Lord, today, I pray that everybody in this room, we begin to realize that, okay, I know Jesus. I'm growing in Jesus. Now it's time for me to start sowing for Jesus. With your head bowed and your eyes closed, we're going to continue in a a spirit of prayer. But how many of you would say, you know what, Bo? I want to grow in my faith. Would you just raise your hand? I want to grow in my faith. Thank you. All across the barn. Thank you. How many of you guys would say, you know what, Bo, a part of my growth, I just realized maybe today, and I, or I knew it, but I haven't been doing it, but a part of that growth is sowing spiritual faith and spiritual seeds in other people. How many of you guys would say, I want, I want to sow spiritual seeds in other people? Anybody raise their hand? Thank you. All across the barn, thank you. Listen, those of you that are married, again, maybe, maybe you maybe have individual relationships with Jesus, but you never really are growing together. You you, you know, when you encourage each other, you don't really, you know, share maybe the truths of God's word with each other. And you want to begin to, to, to sow spiritual seeds in your marriage. You want to make Jesus the number one thing in your marriage. Would you just raise your hand if you're married today and just make that commitment? Thank you. All across the barn. Thank you. Again, some of you guys are here today and you have kids. And for some reason, maybe it's because you didn't even think about it. Maybe, you know, you just never, never taught, you know, how to grow, you know, your kids in the Lord. But you desire today to say to the Lord, Lord, I want to begin to sow spiritual seeds in my kids. Would you just raise your hand? Make that commitment today. Again, it's never too late. They may be 35 years old and you can begin now to plant seeds in their lives. 
Listen, God wants you not only to be growing in Him, He wants you to be sowing for Him. And so my encouragement to you that raised your hand today, listen, don't just grow in your faith. Don't just gain knowledge. Don't just read the Bible for yourself and and hold it all in and store all those seeds all in. Cast them out. Maybe you've got a friend who doesn't know Jesus and, and God has put you in his life so that you can sow seeds of salvation into his life. Don't wait. Don't, don't, don't fear. I mean, again, we're going to talk more about it next week, but don't fear sowing seeds of faith in other people's lives. It's the greatest thing and the greatest gift that you can give them. Lord, I come to you right now, and again, I thank you for each person that raised their hand and said, yeah, I want to sow seeds. I don't want to just store seeds in my barn. I don't want to just store seeds in my heart and in my mind. I want to actually sow some seeds in the ground so that I can see people come to know you. So Lord, I thank you for them. Lord, I pray that you would equip them, that you would show them the people that you want them to sow seeds in. May it start with their their spouse. May it start with their children. May it start maybe with their family, their extended family, whoever it is, Lord. I pray that they would start there. And that they would begin to to sow seeds of faith and encouragement and love and acceptance, forgiveness and your love in other people's lives. So Lord, thank you again. Thank you for your salvation. Thank you for the hope that we have in you. It's in your holy name I pray. Amen. We want to thank you for taking time out of your day to listen to this message. If you made a commitment today, you can contact us at thousandhillsranch.church or give us a call at 580-216-6427. One of our values is we ride to be generous. If you feel led to give, please go to thousandhillsranch.church, click on the Give tab to give your gift today. And remember, at Thousand Hills, you belong before you believe.